Welcome, friends, to the Ink to Film podcast. I'm Luke. And I'm James. And uh, we're off this week. Um, we are releasing a From the Vault episode, um, and uh, we are actually going to be off next week as well. Spoiler. Uh, so we're going to be doing back-to-back From the Vault episodes, which is very unusual for us. We don't normally do that. Uh, do you want to share why, James? Yeah, so I'm actually going to be shooting on a feature film it's going to be shooting for like 15 days over the course of like three weeks. So I'm going to be working crazy hours, 10, 12 hour days plus. Um, so it's just not feasible for these next couple of weeks. And, um, you know, we'll miss you guys. But we have some we have some patri- former Patreon content that we're going to uh, release into the main feed here. And this one's specifically going to be about Twilight Zone. Um, yeah, the movie. The movie. And yeah. so we uh, we talk in the episode a little bit, but like I love Twilight Zone. I've seen, I think, all of the episodes uh, of the original series. And, you know, I was really excited to jump into this, but I did know that there was some some background stuff and, and I kind of blindsided Luke in the episode. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know anything about the in- insanity that went on uh, making this movie. And if you don't know anything either, uh, you know, definitely check it out for that reason. And if you do know, uh, you can you can uh, sort of laugh at me as I squirm because <laughs> I didn't I, I, I got blindsided like like James said. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's a pretty fun episode listening back to it. We are we covered it because we once upon a time covered a Richard Matheson uh, adaptation, the 20,000 feet. Um, what is it called? Nightmare 20, at 20,000 feet. There you go. Yeah. So we covered that one with the original William Shatner uh, adaptation. And then we wanted to cover this one. Oh, and we did the new one too, the Jordan Peele. So if you want to hear our takes on those versions, go find that, that episode in the, in the past. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, but this one, yeah, we, it was an excuse to cover this movie. Um, and we, we get to talk about like all the different portions of it. Um, yeah, I remember it was a pretty good time. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you enjoy. Yeah. So this is a, this is a sample of what Patreon is like for us. So, you know, if you're interested, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash ink to film. And it really does help to keep the lights on at the podcast and, and, you know, it keeps us creating because yeah. without it, we might not still be around, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of that, we just recorded our bonus episode for this month. It is Murder on the Orient Express 2017 version. Um, and yeah, like this note that this Twilight Zone episode, we recorded it in 2019. So it's, you know, if you want to get these things even close to the time in which we're actually putting them on Patreon, you got to you got to sign up. But, uh, yeah, yeah, and so looking forward, we are going to announce our projects that are going to be coming after these oh, yeah. two weeks. Do you want to go ahead and say, Luke? Yeah, so when we get back, uh, we are going to be tackling an absolute favorite author of mine for the first time on the podcast. We are going to be getting into Kurt Vonnegut, the uh, the the adaptation for Slaughterhouse-Five in particular, which I actually haven't seen that movie um, so I'm excited to see what that adaptation is like, but more than anything, I'm just really, really stoked to, to get into Kurt Vonnegut, to, to read that book with you and get your take yeah. on him. Cause I think you're going to enjoy it, but I, I also am like, I don't want to overhype it for you. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm just gonna be really curious to see. And, um, yeah, so that's something to look forward to if you're a Vonnegut fan, or if you just want to know, like, is it something worth reading? Um, definitely pay attention to that. That'll be out in a, in a few weeks here once we get back. Yeah, huge blind spot for me. I've never read anything by Vonnegut, so I feel like this is a big moment for me, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. All right, guys, uh, enjoy this uh, from the vault episode. I'm uh I'm up early. I I feel like a <laughs> demon bunny pulled out of a hat. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh I'm ready to go, man. <laughs> Uh, we're talking Twilight Zone, the movie. So back a while ago, we covered 
Nightmare at 20,000 feet. Yeah, by Richard Matheson. And then Nightmare at 30,000 feet. Right, which was the new Twilight Zone adaptation, uh, the new like Jordan Peele run. Um, but then mm. uh, several people mentioned that we should we should do this one, right? Because I think this is one that kind of brought it back and made it popular for the, the reason I know about it, honestly, is from this one. So I remember watching this uh, in, in when I was a kid. Um, and <laughs> it's funny how stuff doesn't, you know, affect you as much as an adult. But I remember some of that shit like I it was like it had I had to watch it again before it came back. But some of that stuff in the um, segment three. I remember mm-hmm. like giving me nightmares like like that shit was like so yeah. bizarre and unexpected. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a child, you have no reference for anything. So it's just like I just didn't expect it, you know, and and um, yeah, I just it was like weird watching it again, just like rehashing these childhood memories <laughs> I had. Revisiting this uh, was it was kind of a mixed bag for me. I I, re- I think I remembered it more fondly than I actually feel about it now. Oh yeah, yeah. no, um, I'm not. I'm definitely not saying I think it's like a great movie or anything. Um, I, you know, there's there's four different segments done by like I think they're all different directors, written by yeah. different people for the most part. Although Matheson had his hands on a lot of it. Um, the third segment that we were just talking about uh, with Little Anthony, it was actually based off a different short story. Um, I, I saw, but I, I didn't have a chance to read yet. But I am actually kind of curious what that short story might be like. So, so from what I understand, all three of three of the four are based on existing Twilight Zone episodes in some way, and even the oh. fourth one being slightly based on one as well. Um, wait, wait, the fourth one's the Nightmare at twenty thousand. Right. I just one, mean right? like the fourth. The fourth one isn't directly. Like it isn't directly and I'm talking about the first one. The first one isn't directly referencing another Twilight Zone episode, but it's similar to another Twilight Zone episode. Okay, that's that's the the racist man's journey through history or whatever. Okay. Yes. So and and to talk about that one off the top, I feel like. uh, Whoa, 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 we got to start with the prologue. We got to go through. We got to go through chronologically. Right. Well, I just have like ancillary stuff that I feel like has to be put out on the table right now so that we can kind of put this movie into context. Lay it on the table, James. (laughs) Okay. So, how much do you know about the tragedy that happened during the, the production of this film? Nothing. Zero. Okay. Well, it's it's Hollywood legend at this point. It's it's a horrific tragedy and like oversight by people who were things were overlooked that shouldn't have been, and it led to people's deaths. So basically, wow. Vic Moreau, Vic Moreau, who was the the main actor in this first one, he him the and first uh, segment, not the prologue, the first segment here. Yeah, the first. Okay, so there. so the guy who plays the the yes, main character, okay, main gotcha, guy, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. him and uh, some children were uh, they were shooting a scene that was supposed to take place during the Vietnam sequence, and it was supposed to be this sort of like redemptive thing where he saves, he like gets redemption by saving these Vietnamese kids after like he's been racist the entire time, uh-huh. and uh, due to some some I, I, there's I mean there's books on this stuff at this point, but basically a lot of it fell to John Landis, who was the director, and he was able to, I guess, for the most part, shift blame. It was, it, he just, he's never publicly said that it was his fault in any way. So what And happened? the investigations that went on and everything never showed anything. But basically, they lost control of the helicopter and like supposedly the, these children and the, the Vic Moreau all passed away and died. So the guy um, died, who's the main character in that segment, yes, before before filming could p- complete. So that's they, crazy. They, and they still just put it out and, and we're like, we're just gonna go with it anyway. So this is the this is the thing. Um, 
so, you know, the, the directors who were who were attached to this were Steven Spielberg was kind of the person who was like leading this, the, the charge with this movie. It was Steven Spielberg, George Miller, who's famous for Mad Max. Yeah. John Landis, who I'm talking about currently, who's famous for movies like Animal House and like um, the Blues Brothers oh. trading places. Um, he apparently this the, it goes on and on. But basically, like the investigations found that he wasn't to blame specifically for all of them were arrested. Producers were arrested. Everyone was arrested. Jeez. And um, and it was found that none of them they were all acquitted. And there was like settlements made out of court because basically children at that time weren't allowed to work at night. And he and John Landis had had circumvented things and made sure that the kids would be on set at night with that by ignoring protocol and just making sure they were there hiding people from fire marshals and things like that. Um, and these kids weren't even supposed to be on set and they they died in the in the, the helicopter as well. So this whole oh this God. whole movie is shrouded in tragedy and like all this other stuff. But wow, like wow, wow. Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg is has like ended a friendship with John Landis. Like won't like supposedly won't speak to him because like he he didn't know that these things were going on. But like you know Spielberg was like the shepherd of this movie, mm-hmm. and then come and then John Landis is like avoiding the rules. He's he's avoiding things that the protocol yeah. basically. And uh, so there was a real helicopter that was going to be flying around. Mm-hmm. And they crashed or something is what you're saying? Yeah, they lost control. There was like explosions going on, I guess. And like p- there were people on set who said that John Landis was saying to like fly lower. They wanted them to fly lower. And just there's there's a lot of stuff you can read in a, t- about it. I don't think we really have time to fully get into it. Wow. But basically, it man, seems I, like... I didn't know so much was going on with this movie. Now I feel kind of weird doing it. It's just a little bonus episode. But, you know, if you're yeah. a patron, then uh, you're in for it now. You weren't expecting this, were you? <laughs> Or maybe you were. Maybe you knew about it. I, I didn't know. Yeah, it's really crazy. I mean, to not address it would be crazy for the because for the time period when the movie came out, everyone knew. Like it was a hu- yeah. it was huge news that like someone that that all these people had died and the movie was still coming out. And what's crazy is this was the first one that they filmed. Wow. And like everyone else was contractually obligated. They had like literally contracts. Like Spielberg sh- shot his in six days, and he was in and out. And he was like, "I'm just going to do what I need to do and be done with it." Uh-huh. And he's like, he was saying that like he was so affected by all the like the passing of all these people that were trusted them and and all that stuff that he was just sick to his stomach. Everyone was sick about it, and it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I mean that it's horrific, and uh, I didn't know about it, and now I feel like it's gonna be tough to talk about the others artistically. But I, I think that's what we're gonna try and do. Just like deal with them like any other thing we've covered. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's obviously tragic and. Um, not something to make light of. Um, it's horrible. Yeah, and it it, it just I, the reason I did it at the at the top was just because any person who was going to see this movie in theaters that's that was what was on their mind. Yeah, and so the, just going into the movie that was there was like even if you felt all right about it, you're still like wow people people died and yeah. and you know it's like it's like a weird feeling. There was wild stuff going like on in the movie making industry in the eighties, huh? Yeah. Well, and this this led to like some more strict rules and yeah. And basically, like people have said, it's like there's like this um, this thing on set now where it's like anybody if it's unsafe to the every it's everybody's responsibility to say it doesn't matter if you're a PA it doesn't matter what you are it's, it's everybody's responsibility to say speak up if it's 
if it's um, not safe. That's the main thing is like safety. And, and uh, like Spielberg has had quotes talking about like, you know, we're not, it's not life or death. It shouldn't be life or death out here. It's like, th- if things don't get done, things don't get done. If shots don't get made, shots don't get made. Yeah. But it should always never, it should never put anyone in danger to that extent. Yeah. I just, yeah, I'm just thinking of how this is the era of like all the stuff that happened with the crow, um, mm-hmm. you know, Brandon Lee's death and just I don't know people dying on a movie set is wild that's that's yeah that should never happen uh, definitely yeah I mean I think that this was yeah this is like the tragedy there was like there's books about it like I said the lawsuit that went into it the I bet basically everyone got off scot-free no one no one was in trouble for it wow there was like it, it was it, it came I don't know it's crazy different people blame different people the FBI found that like it wasn't due to the explosions. It was due to like something going on with one of the, the rotors and, and like, I don't know. It, it's just all. They just kind of really said, oh, tragic. freak accident and wave their hands. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. There's like still blame, I guess, somewhere. But John Landis has said it's the special effects person and so-and-so said it's so-and-so. And wow. so, yeah. So, that yeah, I mean, and that must have been tough to have. You have three other directors almost making their own movies. They're all making kind of short films. And right. now they're all under this pall from from this one thing, and the movie's still coming out, and they're still showing some of it. Like that had to be really weird. Yeah. Well, and Spielberg, like when it first happened, thought about just pulling the plug on the whole thing and just being like, "Forget it." Yeah. Uh, you know, clearly that that goes through your mind. Wow. But with, I mean, tragedy and and it's awful. But now that we know that, I think yeah. we should talk about like the what we think about the stories. Yeah, let's engage with that artistically. Obviously, this is going to be something that uh, I don't know. It's it, it's like it, we can either talk about that or we can talk about it artistically. It's hard to talk about both, so I think we're just gonna have to set yeah. that aside for now, um, knowing that that is the background going into this. Like you said, I think it's good to do it at the top, but but yeah, let's just engage with this thing as a movie, uh, <laughs> ignorant of whatever real life stuff is going on. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So the prologue, like you were you were starting to talk about, yeah, the two two guys in a car singing at mm-hmm. night, and and you know what this this remi- a few times I had this feeling, but n- maybe no more strongly than here is that this felt like it was leading to something better, like it it yeah. has a great <laughs> yeah. setup, and when mm-hmm. I started watching this, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun movie to watch, like this is gonna be scary, mm-hmm. and and in the the turning off the headlights while driving at night thing he does it twice and it feels like it's building to something but it doesn't really go anywhere you know he gets the like you want to see something scary obviously line gets said and um and and then uh dan Aykroyd, uh you know is is, is saying it back and it's also it's meta because they start they start doing they start humming the twilight zone uh you know uh opening music mm-hmm. and all that and and more than that they start talking about the episodes they start naming their favorite episodes so it was like yeah. very meta they're like and, you know, maybe for, I feel like for this time period, meta was like kind of a, a like, I don't know, novel, novel thing. Like it was kind of a new thing that people were were checking out. I don't know. Maybe. It, <laughs> it, it was fun. I mean, I don't know. You know, yeah, I'm sure no, I mean, it was it was talking to the audience. It was like, you know what I mean? It was right. very it was fourth wall breaking because it was like, hey, remember these things? And doing this, I think, is fun because this is this kind of does the same it's just this idea that like oh the twilight zone like it's all connected kind of thing because we get like yeah. a connection later and yeah. so have and like clearly everyone approaching this they're massive fans of the original property yeah. right like you can't be like dan Aykroyd, i'm sure albert brooks like all of these people were huge fans of of the original and they're like well, i'd love to be involved in any way yeah and so they have this great setup and then the the payoff 
it's like they didn't know how to, what to do. It's what it felt like to me. They they were just like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to end this thing. Let's just have them pull over. Dan Aykroyd will say, you want to see something really scary? And then they'll we'll build up, build up, build up. He'll turn away. We'll cut. And then he'll turn back and he'll have on a Halloween mask. And that's how we're going to end this thing. Like, I mean, it, it was more than that, obviously. But it, it and he just kind of screamed and, like, grabbed him. It, mm-hmm. it was... I really wanted something more from this pro- this opening, man. Like it felt like it was leading to something truly scary, and it just it, it said it was just kind of silly, honestly. Yeah, um, I, I kind of feel like that almost across the board. There's there's a couple things here and there that I do want to talk about that I feel like are great, but yeah. most of this I feel like misses the the not the point, but it kind of misses the mark in terms of like what the Twilight Zone brought to the table. And that's not to say that like Twilight Zone was campy for sure. It was. Yeah over the top and it was very clear um allegory like it wasn't like some some like oh very yeah. subtle allegorical always been very heavy-handed right and and that's i feel like even maybe even more so in the, in these in this movie here is like everything is like like a yeah like a megaton hammer just coming down on you <laughs> yeah ham-fisted uh, to the extreme absolutely exactly so uh I, I like the segment. I like seeing Dan Aykroyd in, in this interesting role. Albert Brooks, like those two in a car yeah. as, as the prologue. That's like, that's a great setup, like you say. And and I'm even all right with the, like you say, it doesn't really it pay off all that much and it doesn't feel very Twilight Zone. Yeah. But for, for him to like turn and be like attacking him with a mask on was pretty funny. <laughs> was he supposed to be a, I don't know, a werewolf or something? I don't know. Couldn't quite tell what that was. I don't know. Some d- sort of demon, creature. like Twilight Zone demon. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to be throughout. What was this thing? Oh, you want to see something really scary? Yeah. Which was cool. Yeah. I mean, that, I don't know. Again, like the line itself, the setup is almost cooler than the payoff, in my opinion. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move to the first uh, the first segment. This is yeah. the one directed by by uh, John Landis. Yeah. Talk about heavy handed, right? This is, this right. is. Although I will say like I was watching it. And I'm like, God, we haven't gone anywhere as a species, right. have we? Like this was 1980, what, three? It was when mm-hmm. this came out. And we're, they're like, you know, we got to do an allegory about this white dude who is blaming immigrants for everything and like minorities for every problem in his life is treating the waitresses like trash and mm-hmm. is being an asshole. And his, you know, white dude friends are, are defending him somewhat and he's dropping in bombs and just awful, awful person. And I'm watching it going, this is what, 35 years later? Yeah, this could this this could be out today as, as trying to make the same point. Because the same yep. assholes are out there, although like, maybe they're their children or something, and now grown up to be the same assholes. <laughs> it's it's sad, and uh, yeah. you know I don't know that this is the way to like because you're still centering the white dude. Like it's all about him mm-hmm. and his need to grow and his need to learn, and you know it's that you don't really focus on all the harm he's doing. It's more just about him. You know he's the main character. And he has to be taught a lesson because the cosmically the universe wants to educate him. And, you know, at the very least, I feel like we've moved beyond some of these stories because they, they just are like, obviously, they're not working <laughs> to some extent. Um, either yeah. Like, if you don't know any better and you're, you're watching shit like this and like rooting for the guy like, yeah, I, that guy is talking sense. I know, it. <laughs> you know, he's right. someone I should look up to. Well, it just feels know, yeah. very like preaching to the choir type thing, right? Like very exactly. Clearly, yeah, like, most people, people who are watching, watching it are like, he, he's so broadly terrible that you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna go, yeah. Like, well, that guy's obviously bad. You shouldn't be saying that in front of people. You know what I mean? Like, whatever, wherever you come down on it. Like, but the problem is that 
there needs to be a more nuanced discussion of it and maybe make you analyze the less like because everybody can look at that guy and say he's a caricature of a racist right like but even I just feel like 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 so a racist watches this they're not going to get anything out of it anyway they're going to be yeah. like whatever this is like some whatever story no I think it also gives them an out you know what I mean because I feel like most racists are going to watch it and go well that's not me I'm not that bad you know what I mean? Right. So they're still going to be able to distance themselves from that guy. Most um, yeah. obviously, there are some who are that bad. There's definitely some people out there <laughs> who are just like straight up like I'm a racist at this point, and I can't fucking. Stand I don't know. It. I think a lot of racists uh, deny it at heart. You know what I mean? Like they're like, yeah. well, they're like, I'm not truly racist. I'm just a realist. You know, and they have all these like reasons to believe they're bullshit. It's these like microaggressions too that they just don't, like they don't even fathom. Like they yeah. don't understand that they're doing it to an, to an extent. And they're like, I right. don't, you know, yeah, because they, they weren't these weren't microaggressions. We'll these it. these were this guy was dropping loud in bombs. You know what right, I mean? Like right. it, it was so it's so over the top that anybody mm-hmm. can look at it and see that it's bad. Yeah, you know, they weren't trying to do like a nuanced social commentary of like, actually, I want you to think about what this guy's doing is actually really harmful. No, no they're not doing that at all. Right. It's obvious. But right. anyway, so he takes a he takes a weird time travel-y thing through he goes to like nazi germany and you know it mm-hmm. again we have to talk about it a little bit but like it it kind of makes sense that this one didn't finish filming because it felt unfinished to me i was like what was the point of this it just kind of stopped at one point um i thought for mm-hmm. sure we were leading somewhere where it was like a um almost like a ghost of christmas past kind of deal where he's going to be taught a lesson but then he he kind of just gets left so, you know, I think that was the plan was to do that and it just never happened. Yeah. Um, to talk about some positive stuff, I think that given given this type of story like with with a decent production budget, it was interesting to see Nazi Germany like it looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to see like like, like they, they were able to do it production value wise, like they were able to like go there and like really do like a Vietnamese jungle. And yeah. And like how about those KKK uh, members? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they were everything was so broad right and over the yeah. top yeah it was because it it's like wild. if those are the racists and so, then like it's easy to not be that i read a quote that was basically it was less of a quote and more of just like somebody saying this so who knows how how legit it is but basically like john john landis was expecting this to be like the social commentary like this would be oh, God. like <laughs> this would have impact for decades and stuff and so it's just like yeah, I, mean, I can see why he thought I can see, like looking at the movie. I can see that he was like very clearly he did feel that. Yeah, that yeah he yeah. would it would be that impactful. But it just I don't know. It kind of rings false in, in, in a lot of ways just because it's, it's so yeah, broad. It's yeah. kind of weak. Well, let's go to the next one. I, I don't even want to talk about this one anymore. Yeah, I do want to say that in, in my opinion, these these kind of go in ascending order in terms of quality. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe. Okay, let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So this next one. So this next one is uh, Steven Spielberg's, which uh, I don't know if you could tell, but it was it was a Steven Spielberg for sure. I did not know that it was Steven Spielberg yeah. until the very end when I saw it in the credits. Um, this was my least favorite of all of them. Really? Yeah. I, I, I liked the other one. Less. This 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 did not feel like a Twilight Zone thing to Agreed. me. Agreed. It yeah, wasn't. I agree there, with that. It was. It felt and once again heavy handed. Be a child at heart, you know. So it's about a bunch of old elderly people. For those of you who haven't seen the movie recently, a bunch of elderly people, I guess, are in a, in a visited kind of by this other elderly man who uh, wants to kick, play kick the can with them. And then there's this other guy who, like, no, they're all too old. Their bones will all break, and you know their heart won't be able to keep up to it. And he's like, no, 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 you just got to get out there and play anyway. And finally convinces them to do it. And then they turn into like children version of themselves. 
who still speak with like similar accents and stuff. It was wild for sure. They, they like we talk about Spielberg getting good child performances, but these are not them. These are. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in isolation, some of them are okay, and it's like they were asked to do some crazy shit. Like, oh, for sure. You and know? like I said, like that, that you have to also, in, in my opinion, you have to think of the fact that like Spielberg just was like, I want to get in and out. Honestly, it felt that way. So, like, it felt yeah, sloppy and rushed. And I, so, I could. Um, it did yeah. feel like kind of like. I, I, like it did it did not fit the tone of a twilight zone episode it, yeah. fe- it fit the tone of like a spielberg film in my opinion like yeah. there was this sort of whimsical like childhood like like the score rises and it makes you feel like i don't know I, not saying that it necessarily worked i'm just saying that like i could tell that it, like there was at least a spielberg um spin to this yeah it uh it, in my opinion it went on too long it didn't fit the tone of a twilight zone movie at all if it, 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 it it's bizarre that this is one of the four things we got um and yeah i just didn't find it that interesting honestly it felt very heavy-handed it felt like it it also felt condescending like i I felt like if i was an elderly person watching this i'd hate it because it's like it's like really you don't think i understand what is like what value there is in being my age and the knowledge i've accrued that you're gonna have to tell me like oh you know maybe you want to be an old person because you've learned a lot and like it it felt condescending to 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 me if I'm old, elderly and if I'm younger I'm looking at it like well, this is stupid I don't know I, I didn't like yeah. this one at all man this the, my, uh, this is probably my least favorite I, this is obviously I didn't know anything about the first one <laughs> and knowing what mm-hmm. I know about it now I like it, like I think like culturally that's the worst <laughs> um, right but this one I was like man what is the point of this and 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 again it felt overstuffed it went on for a long time we did get DeCaloran. Did you realize that? <laughs> yeah. He was, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this guy's really familiar. And I had to think about who he was. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a few, there's before a few the Shining. familiar faces coming out, you know, or uh, yeah. throughout this. This was, this wouldn't yeah. be before, right? The Shining was. Oh, you're right. Know. It was right after the Shining. It was 19, right? 1980 was the Shining. Yeah. And this was 83. So this had to be after. Yeah. Okay. So the third one. Yeah. Um, I, I go back and forth on three and four being the best of the bunch for me. Yeah. So I, I, don't I agree know. with I that. I think this will be an f- interesting one to dig into. If all if all four segments were of the quality of three and four, this would be, mm-hmm. I think, a more, a more well-regarded movie, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I was, yeah, they feel, and, and clearly the fourth one. So I believe two, three, and four are based on Twilight Zone episodes. Now, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen all the Twilight Zone episodes, but I can't remember the specifics to what they correlate to. Hmm. Um, but I know Kick the Can, which was the the second one, was definitely based on another Twilight Zone episode from the original. And then this one, I, ca- I can't remember one that's similar to this from the series, but yeah. I read online that, that they're all based on, they're all, the, these three are based on existing well that makes sense honestly thinking back of the last one like i bet you there there's because i'm not a huge twilight zone person um i've seen random shit and like i remember certain kinds of episodes but there were probably episodes that were a lot like kick the can like feel good episodes yeah. like i'm sure they had those like every now and then so maybe they felt like they needed to have one like that in the in the movie to kind of create like have the whole texture of what the show was like um so that maybe that maybe that explains a little bit why it was like a twilight zone segment yeah i i that was my takeaway from the second one was basically just that like knowing that it was based on existing episode that and then he just like spielberg it up it was very it did <laughs> yeah. feel like a like a spielberg version I love of how you use story. it as like a verb <laughs> spielberg yeah. this thing Spielberg. <laughs> Whenever you're directing your own movie, I want you to say like, "Time to Spielberg this scene." Spielberg. This. But the thing is, that's what I was gonna say is like, technically, I was uh, in terms of tone, I would say Spielberging it up. But in terms of like technical, 
like achievements or anything like that. There's not like any like interesting oneers which Steven Spielberg's known for or like yeah. any anything really like that goes above and beyond to make it. No. I don't know. Yeah, Spielberg. Yeah. I can see that. So this third one, man, Little Anthony, Little Anthony. Uh, it it starts somewhere completely different than what you think it's gonna go, and um, I truly until the the rabbit popped out of the hat, the demon rabbit. I didn't mm-hmm. remember this. I was like, have I ever seen this? Like, I had no memory of it. This woman uh, hits a kid on the bike, which like I thought looked remarkably convincing. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then she she takes the kid home. And when she gets there, like the something crazy is going on. She's like, what is going on in this house? It's a weird house. The people there are behaving strangely. They're like overly excited. They're like. Like fawning over little Anthony, he calls him like all oh, brother and sister, and they're like super. They're way older than him, so you know something's weird with that, right? And um, I don't know. This is creepy. Like there was a weird setup. This is based off a short story I read. I think it's called "It Was a Good Life" or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. That I am curious about now. Well, maybe that. The, I, I think maybe maybe that's what I was interpreting from what I was reading. I, maybe all of them were based on existing material, not necessarily Twilight Zone episodes. Well, I think Kick the Can and, and Nightmare at Twenty Thousand were definitely Twilight Zone. Yeah, and then but they were they were also been. based off a of short story. So that's the thing. Like this might have been a short story that then inspired an okay. episode of Twilight Zone that then inspired this. Yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't know. We'd have to go back okay. through it. But this is making me realize that I need to go do another rewatch through Twilight Zone and just like <laughs> rewatch a bunch of episodes. Yeah. Been too long. So what did you what did you think of this of this segment, man? I'm curious. I, I actually love this segment. Um, this, like I said, this might be my favorite. I, I think in terms of I don't know if the story was a little bit stronger, I think it'd be my favorite. Just because the story is like it's all over the place. There were some strong practical effects, like monster exactly. effects, man. It looked great. It looked incredible. I was I was like really surprised. Yeah, I mean it's a little I, silly, but like there were supposed to be sort of like. Uh, it's like Cartoons. if you took a if you took a cartoon and you put flesh on it and you made it into a real thing, and yeah. but you kept all the crazy cartoon proportions of stuff, it would be horrifying. And that's kind of the idea behind it was like these these cartoons made flesh, and yeah. and a lot of the powers yeah. and everything too, like like the the TV breaking apart and like the 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 you know the couch is moving like it's just everything that goes on with all of that dude stuff. okay so that that uh the the moment where the like tw- like spinning um yes. thing comes out of the tv and comes towards them and the yeah. yeah you said the couch splits apart that moment is was like my nightmares honestly like because i remember being terrified of like what is in this fucking whirling tornado and then when it stops it's it's horrifying it's a horrifying cartoon monster made flesh and uh yeah, I don't know, man. As, as a kid who like grew up watching cartoons, it was like I it made mm. me like look at them a new way. Like, oh my god, <laughs> right? And and like I loved that they they dropped one of the characters into the cartoon. Like yeah. that was fun. It was just fun and wacky and weird. And the story fit that. Like it was very all over the place. Like it just didn't really have any sort of like I don't know. The 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 moral of the story is very clear, but in terms of like the events that happen, it's it's kind of all over the place. So who directed this one? This is Joe Dante. Joe Dante, yeah. Do you do I know him from anything else? You do. You definitely do. You're gonna okay. be excited to hear. So, um, he directed Gremlins. I would say. Oh, nice. I like Gremlins, which is like so. Like you could tell, Fitting, right? right? Like yeah, you can yeah. tell from this. Um, uh, Inner Space. Have you seen Inner Space? No, I haven't. Inner Space, The Howling, 
and one that I loved as a kid, Small Soldiers. Did you ever see Small Soldiers? Oh, yeah, I did see Small Soldiers. I don't remember yeah. it very well, but I did see it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I mean, I haven't seen it in like 20 years probably, but I loved it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was amazed to see some of the names attached to this thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's let's move on to the fourth one. So so this was our one that is actually the project we covered originally. We read the story. We, we did all the different versions. So had you seen this before? I think so, yeah. I I, I didn't remember it all that well. I, I think I'd, I had seen it for sure. I, I'd at least seen like the John Lithgow freak out. I think this is, I mean, like it's a little over the top watching it all the way through. But like, I think this is the best version of this story, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it's it's authentic to the original short story because like the new one kind of isn't they kind of just completely went a different route with it right but uh with with the like the kinetic it, it was it was such a like george miller directed this and it, yeah. you, it was such a george miller project really it was like so it, like like when he's freaking out and like and like running all over the place and everybody's holding him down yeah it's just like it just feels so like kinetic and like full of energy and all yeah. that and and i think i could tell that it was george miller even yeah, if, even if that. you hadn't told me that, um, but in terms of like just like the even the creature on the wing, so good, uh, such a good it's design, all so good. I mean, compared to the to the ridiculous ape that we had in the, the pig, the original thing. version. Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I want to like. I would love to read like snobs from for, who loved and like. Look, I love that original episode as well. But they're just like the original character design was better. I would love to like just see, see <laughs> the monster design felt that way when you this know. One so came there's out. there's a YouTube video. I think I might have shared this with you when we originally watched it. I'm not certain, but um. Mm-hmm someone spliced all of the the footage of the monster from this movie and they put it into the original version with with William Shatner. I so when he, he looks out the wind yeah. out, out the window this is what he's seeing and yeah. it 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 works pretty well honestly. I was yeah. amazed at how well how well it worked. So I read that originally they were going to have William Shatner re- like reprise the role oh, and really? do it again. Yeah, but I guess he was like committed to something else. Well, I mean, John Lithgow's great, though, and he really went oh, for it is. with this role, man. Like, he, you could tell this was a disturbed guy. He really sold the, like, fear of, like, the deep fear of flying this guy had. Um, really played it. And this is this is the one where I was saying, I think in our coverage, we talked about it being, like, Jaws, but for air, air travel. Mm-hmm. This is the one that I saw that I've always thought of. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm on a plane now. And this right. is what drove home to me the idea that flying in a plane could be a frightening thing, <laughs> for better or yeah. for worse. Like it, this, right. it made it scared me. Just, uh, just to talk about the effects again. I was when I was watching it, I thought I saw something really interesting happen, where I saw like a, it was the creature, and then it flashed to John Lithgow, and I thought I saw something weird, so I took it yeah. back a couple it times. Yeah, like his eyes were like it. popping out, right? Yeah. Did you did you like I went and freeze framed it? It no, was crazy. They put like practical like b- like bloating eyes on his on his face and like it's it's just like a one like frame. I would say like maybe like a yeah like half of half a second full of yeah, frames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it's like it's just like in there and it's like his eyes are, and it's like the 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 creature. You're looking at the creature and then you're looking at him and it's this weird uncanny thing where you're like, is he becoming the creature? Is the creature right. affecting him in is, this way? Or is like, that is happening? that him? Yeah, is it possessing yeah. him or something? But that's, it was like otherworldly, yeah. and it was yeah, it was super it was cool. weird. I, yeah, you're right. I did catch that, and and I didn't go back and watch it again. But I caught it and remember noting it at the time. Like that was a kind of an interesting choice, and it makes you think like maybe this is all in his head. Kind of has that effect right. on it, yeah. um, which is then kind of shown. Oh, which we should you know. Then at the end, we we get the throwback to the original. You want to see something really scary, and it's funny because I had seen this part without I think ever seeing the beginning of the movie, and so I never knew what that meant, and it always seemed like it was something way scarier 
in my mind, you know what I mean? Like, I was right. like, oh, God, what is that referencing? It was the unknown. And it was, it was, like, he, he must be, he must do something really crazy. And it was, it was really frightening to me. But like, now I know, I know what it was. It's like, oh, no, it's not scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that we should talk about the change too, right? Because I think in the original, we were left to think like, oh, it, who, is he really crazy? It didn't, was the, was the plane, was the, was the wing destroyed? Do we get, like, oh, yeah, kind of yeah. you're talking about the original, original story? Well? No, in the story, it's all, it's potentially all in his head. We never, we never get outside confirmation. It could just be right. potentially in, something he's hallucinating. Yeah. In this one, they like freak out. They're like, look at the wing. What, what happened yeah. up there and all this stuff. So it's like, yeah, it was cool. Kinda, and then I guess made more scary by the fact that like, who knows what really did that? And maybe Dan Aykroyd's character is the creature and he's driving him away. That's, and that's what I always assumed. I was like, he must be the creature. I don't know why they didn't show it, but he must be the creature at the end. And I thought we were going to get another, like a shot of him transforming or something, but he never does. Um, yeah. Like I could have sworn like one of those weird Mandela effects. I was like, doesn't he turn around and he's the monster? But he doesn't. Yeah. He just says yeah. that. And then, then it, it goes to the exterior and, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. So shout out to John Lothar's performance too, because I think yeah. he was easily one of the best parts. Yeah, I actually absolutely. did like like um, what's his man Scatman Scatman's Carruthers. I think of his name right now, but the, the the Dick Halloran, uh, that actor I felt like was pretty. He he was fitting for the role. I yeah. th- I thought he did pretty well, pretty good. Agree. Well. well, all right, all right, man. We we did it. We watched it. It was uh, it was it was fun. It's a good way to kind of uh, bring in the Halloween season. Got me in the mood, mm. you know. So hopefully yeah. our listeners will enjoy that too. Um, we got some fun stuff planned this month. We're going to be doing Harry Potter, uh, which we announced recently, and then followed by Watchmen. So uh, if you want to get started on that stuff, uh, look for those episodes coming soon. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for being patrons and for yeah, listening absolutely. to this coverage. I hope you enjoyed it. Yep. All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>